Denise, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, I'm really good. Um, so you're the founder of CV Clinic. Can you tell us a bit about what the CV Clinic does, the services you provide, and then would I talk to you a bit about the career path that you took to get into that point, really? Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, the CV Clinic is um, a CV writing and interview coaching service. Um, but there are a number of different services that I provide really depending on the client's needs. Um, so I kind of have a, a client-led approach, really. Um, first of all, I kind of really want to understand what the client's career objectives were and then work with them to help them understand what they can be doing to improve their CV or their LinkedIn profile or their interview technique in order to help them reach their goals and really present themselves in the best way possible to a potential employer. How did you get to starting the CV clinic? What was the career path that you took that led you to identifying that as, as a business that you wanted to, to set up? Yeah, so I, I kind of fell into recruitment about 10 years ago. Um, it, it's funny, I think most people who have a career in, in recruitment did fall into it. I don't think it's usually something people set out to do. Um, so I actually started my career as a paralegal. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer and then quite quickly realised it was a lot of paperwork and not really much exciting stuff. Um, so I actually started um, in recruitment about 10 years ago and I started recruiting lawyers because I had kind of legal background. Um, so I went to work for um, uh, a well-known recruitment agency for a couple of years um, and whilst I really enjoyed recruitment I really enjoyed um, kind of dealing with candidates on a day-to-day -day basis. What I didn't enjoy so much was the, the sales and business development side of things. Um, so um, I, I stayed there for a couple of years and then decided actually I'd really like to go and work for an in-house recruitment or talent acquisition team um, so that I'm they're not focusing on sales and business development I'm really just focusing on recruitment for one particular organization um, so then I moved to a company called Newton Europe who are um, their operational improvement consultants and I looked after their graduate recruitment scheme there which kind of took me across to various universities um, and gave me a really good insight into graduate recruitment last summer actually I was made redundant and so I kind of found myself at a bit of a crossroads, wondering what to do next. Um, and then I, I kind of made the decision that actually, you know, I'd quite like to do something on my own. Um, so at that point, I decided to, to do some consulting. Um, and I actually had a really good project with um, the Guide Dogs for the Blind. Um, you know, an amazing charity to work for. And they had lots of improvement projects that they needed help with. Um, so I went and did that. And it was amazing. Um, now, alongside doing all of that, I was helping people, kind of family, friends, and friends of friends with their CV, with interview techniques, and um, started to realize that that was something I really, really enjoyed. Um, kind of get a real buzz from helping people and you know, them coming back to you and saying, Denise, thank you so much. After speaking to you, I've got an interview. And you know, I, I realized, do you know what? I really enjoy doing this. Um, so why don't I do this full time? And that was kind of where the idea of the CV clinic came about. Um, I think that was in about September last year. Um, and yeah, then it kind of took off from there and then 
I decided to go for it full time in January this year, um, which, you know, unfortunately we've had a bit of a challenging time in the last couple of months. But, um, you know, I'm really, really glad that I did take the plunge um, and it's been such a learning curve for me since then. What's been the biggest things you've learned in setting up the business for yourself? Do you know what? I talked myself out of it so many times. Um, <laughs> You know, one day I would think it was the best idea ever. And the next day I'd be like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. Just go and get a job. Um, I think um, in terms of what I've learned, I think the, the kind of the things that go into the business and how much hard work it is in terms of marketing and kind of promoting yourself and all of, all of those things. I think I was a bit naive um, and probably just thought, you know, I'll start this business and people will just come to me and that's how it's going to work. And obviously that isn't how it works. Um, and when I first started, you know, I tried to set up my own website, for example, um, and quickly realized that that wasn't going to work either. So um, got some help from um, an amazing lady called Harriet Smith, who, who helped me. She kind of talked me through branding and tone of voice and, you know, how I really wanted to portray the business um so that was a really good uh, learning curve for me and you know just having that support from her um you know she was saying you know this is a great idea I think you're gonna do really well um you know having that support from other people and talking through your ideas with other people I think has been really important because otherwise I think I would have just talked myself out of it what's the experience been like obviously with everything that's going on at the moment and and a lot of recruitment seems to have, have dried up What's the experience mm -hmm. your, 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 you know, for yourself, for your business, but also the, the clients that you are dealing with? What, what are kind of some of the, the themes and, and things that are going on at the moment? Yeah, so, you know, things have definitely slowed down for me, but I am still getting inquiries from people. Um, and mainly what they're saying is that, you know, they're, they're applying for jobs, they're reaching out to recruiters, um, and unfortunately they're just not hearing anything back um it's it's really challenging because obviously these are kind of everyone keeps saying it unprecedented times but um i think it's really difficult when you're you know you're putting yourself out there and people just aren't responding to your calls or responding to your emails i think that's really the number one frustration from people that i'm speaking to um but also i think there is a, a lack of awareness in terms of the recruitment process and how that works. Um, so, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about applicant tracking systems and how they can really affect your chances of success of your CV kind of getting through and being seen by a, by a person. Um, but a lot of people that I speak to, they're not even aware that those systems exist. Um, so I think one of the things I'm trying to use this kind of downtime for is to really help people as much as I can and, um, you know, just, just help people, let them know about the system, let them know what simple changes they can make to try and get ahead. Um, yeah, and things like that, really. Is that simple things like um, the format of CVs? I think it's one thing that I learned a while ago was you, you, you think, oh, I'm going to make this nice looking creative CV, but actually the tracking systems just throw those things out straight away. They, they tend yeah. to be a bit more of a simple format to get through those, those systems. And I think a lot of people are encouraged to kind of like stand out from it on a CV and actually it can end up being detrimental. It can. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I think it's good to have two versions. So you can have that kind of fancy pants creative version um, and where you've got contacts or, or, you know, emailing your CV directly to a person, then that works really well. But when you're, when you're into a position online via a system, like you say, it just throws it off. Um, I mean, as a recruiter, just to kind of give you an example of how it, how it works as a recruiter, you'd come in in the morning, you'd look at your inbox and you'd have hundreds of applications to sift through. Um, and when somebody has used uh, a fancy format for a CV through to you and it's kind of just gobbledygook, the, the information is in all the wrong boxes. You can't really make sense of it. Um, and when you're a recruiter kind of juggling 20, 30, sometimes 40 live roles, mm -hmm. you just haven't got time to deal with that and you will just go on to the next one. Um, so, so yeah, I'm just really trying to help people kind of get over these hurdles um, and just make them aware because like I say, I think with most people, they're just not aware that this mm -hmm. is the case. What are some of the areas where people the usual traps that people fall into with with the cvs that could be you know simply changed yeah so the, the formatting is a big one mm -hmm. the second one is kind of not tailoring their cv to the application uh, or to the role that they're applying to so as well as kind of um having a straightforward format um what you also need to do is you're including some of the keywords and phrases contained in the job advert in your cv because one of the other things the applicant tracking system will do is scan your cv and if it doesn't match with the keywords or phrases that it's looking for then it will just reject it so that's another kind of quick win um, that you can do to make sure you're not you're not failing there um, another another kind of um, quite common theme is that people tend to write their cv in a task-based way rather than a results-based way mm -hmm. and i think what this can unfortunately do is really downplay your experience and make you come across as a lot less experienced than you actually are um, and as a recruiter or, or a potential employer what you're really looking for is kind of evidence of what this person has achieved in the past because that's a really good indicator of what they can um, of what value they can add to your business um, and again, that's quite a simple change. It's just kind of looking at the way you're writing things and rewording them um, and just making sure that you're getting down some actual results rather than just talking about, you know, I managed this, um, I was responsible for X, Y, Z. You know, it's just, it's not making you stand out. Um, it's not making the reader um, kind of inspired by you. So. Um, yeah, just, I think, changing it to more results-based rather than task-based. And I think that doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. And I think working with someone like yourself helps you to draw, you turn that, you turn that task into a result. And I think something that people yeah. sat by them. So it sounds, oh, yeah, turn it, into, turn it into a result. But I think that's where working with somebody really does add a lot of value because you can then talk about, well, what did you, what was it, what was, give us a specific example. It's a bit like an interview kind of practice, I guess, in a way. And you're able to then put yeah. down something meaningful. And I know from being a hiring manager, there's, it ends up being, it does end up being a job description almost. And you say, well, yeah, so what? And and I think that's where the real value comes in. Um, what's, yeah. the sort of, what's the sort of process um, when it comes to speaking to you? Do, do they send 
they send you their current CV for you to first of all take a look at, or is it a case of of having a job you want to apply for and then speaking to you about that? The circumstances are are different. Um, so some people might come to me and they've got a very clear idea of the kind of job they want, and they'll come to me with jobs that they've applied for or jobs they want to apply for. Some people come to me and they really haven't got a clue. They just know that they're unhappy and they want to do something different. Um, and sometimes people come to me and they haven't actually got a CV because they've been in the same job for so long or they've kind of managed jobs um, by knowing people and have never needed a CV before. So it really does vary from, from person to person. So what I, what I usually like to do is have a consultation with them. Um, which is usually about about an hour um, and it's really just an opportunity to have a, a more of an in-depth look at their career history um, what they've achieved and it, it's funny because um, like Dave said people often find it quite difficult to talk about their achievements um, I think a lot of people feel like they're bragging or you know um, showing off but um, you know actually it's really important because the value that you add is what people want to see um, but a lot of the time people, um, you know, when I ask them about their career and the things they've achieved, they'll say, well, you know, I was just doing my job. That was just part of my job. And they really downplay their achievements um, or they don't recognise when something was an achievement. Um, and just by talking to them and spending that time asking them the right questions, uh, that's how I kind of manage to draw, draw that out from them. And often when we talk about that, we'll get to the end and they'll be like, wow I'm actually quite impressed with myself I've achieved a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's a nice um, feeling which is always really nice yeah it is yeah it's, re it's really nice and 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 oftentimes those people who you know aren't sure what they want to go on and do next can clearly see where their strengths lie um, and it will make them think about what they really enjoyed doing throughout their career what they're really good at um, and that kind of helps them um, understand what it is that they want to go on and do next it's quite a challenging and stressful time right you know trying to a career change or even just a job change quite often people have been in a company for quite a long period of time and the thought of leaving the known is is scary so having having that support and i think most so many people try and do all of this themselves and we're not great at everything and we have to accept that we're not great at everything and one area you know you get an opportunity effectively you know one first impression with your cv and then you get your first impression in person or over the phone and you've got to kind of make that count and and i think it's a very wise investment to get some support through that process to ensure that you're more successful because you know we're in this time now we know that a lot of businesses are under threat and it's likely mm. to be a, a more competitive market and i think if you want to increase your chances of, of success then you know utilizing support in that area is going to be critical yeah definitely and you know recruitment processes do change quite a lot over time as well so it's kind of keeping up to date with with that um and also you know cvs are really subjective what will turn one hiring manager on will turn another one off so um you know but i think because I have worked in various organisations and various talent acquisition teams, um, you know, I've got really good insight into what most people are looking for. Um, and, you know, I just really want to be able to pass that on. Have you got any other um, kind of top tips and any other uh, advice for anybody who is thinking about 
maybe changing role at the moment? Yeah, so um, like we've said, you know, difficult, it's a difficult time um, for job seekers. And I think um, now more than ever, it's going to be really important for them to stand out. But also, I think, to be more strategic in their job search as well. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're looking for jobs, sometimes it can be really tempting to just get out there and apply to as many jobs as possible. But, you know, it, it really is quality over quantity. Um, so I've got a kind of job search strategy, strategy template that I share with people, um, which kind of asks them um, some questions and helps them create a plan in terms of um, what type of role they're going to look for, which organisations they're going to approach and how they're going to approach them. Um, so, you know, when, when we're in a difficult market like this, you, know, you can't really just sit back and wait for the jobs to be advertised. You need to be a bit more creative in, in how you're going about that. So um, definitely, you know, be more strategic um, and think about how you're going to target those companies that you want to work for. Really thinking about what you want to do next or, or even further down the line so that you're not just panic applying which I think a lot of people do fall into that trap for sure I think they do and and as as a recruiter or a hiring manager it will be really obvious to you when you're getting an application through when you're getting TV through it'll be really obvious which ones have been tailored and which ones have just been kind of um have taken the scattergun approach and applied for everything mm-hmm. um you know it it, it will be obvious so you do need to take that time to really tailor your application each time mm-hmm. what about things so one of my favorite topics is uh, personal statements because <laughs> i used to be my favorite bit as the hiring manager <laughs> can be um quite interesting and have you got any advice for people regarding you know good practice when it comes to personal statements yeah, sure. So there was quite a good um, conversation on one of my LinkedIn posts the other day mm-hmm. um, where someone had said, um, would, you, would you suggest uh, writing this in the first person or the third person? Um, now, I have to say, I think the third person is really odd and I would never recommend anybody to write in the third person. I just think it, you know, you're talking about yourself. So um, it just sounds a bit weird. Um, but I actually prefer to take all the pronouns out. So you're not talking about I, you're not talking about me, you're, um, you're not talking about him, you're just making a statement. And I think that helps it be firstly more concise, um, but also a bit more, it comes across a bit more professional. Um, and um, so yeah, I, would, I would remove all the pronouns and just avoid adding kind of empty words empty buzzwords because they really do mean nothing and you know hiring managers and recruiters they've seen it all before they know what means something and what doesn't um so if you're going to make a statement you really need to back it up with something uh quantifiable so you know how many pounds did you save how much time did you save um these real quantifiable examples of what are what are going to help you stand out what about um cover letters is that would you offer a cover letter in most circumstances, even if it's not requested? That's a good question, actually. So um, I think a lot of a lot of companies are are requesting them alongside applications. Um, but if they're not, I think it's always a good idea to to um, 
to submit one because it just gives you that opportunity to talk in a bit more detail about you and what it is you're looking for and why you would be a good fit for that company and for that position. And that is what, what makes a really good cover letter. Um, you know, all this stuff that you can't get into your CV. Um, and, but again, this has to be really tailored. So you need to talk about the company, why it interests you, you know, why your values match the company values, what value you can add. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that it's a good idea to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to be done right. Not some blanket elevator pitch about yourself. It needs, yeah, you're right. It does need to be yeah. tailored because whoever's reading that wants to know that you put some time and effort because that's what they're going to hire you for, right? Is it the, uh, you know, are you, are you going to be dedicated? Are you going to be um, someone they can rely on, someone they can trust, someone that's engaged? If the first thing they see from you is generic, it's not going to do you a great service and there'll be somebody else who has just put that extra five minutes in is going to make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. You just, you know, you want to just put in maximum effort every time. Otherwise it's just not worth doing Mm -hmm. because it will just make you look bad. It will just make you look lazy and they will just move on to the next application. Somebody um, told me once that you should take the job description that's there and take take those bullet points of the job description and then put that into a word document and then see if you can answer each one of them with experience that you've had and then put that into your covering letter so you can say what you're asking for is this and these are my experiences of all those things is that a good thing to do yeah definitely so that that's kind of the approach that i take when i'm writing covering right. letters and what you really want to do is make sure that you're evidencing everything that they're looking for. Um, because if you're not, then they're just going to move on. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to do it. So yeah, one of the other services that I offer is LinkedIn profile optimization. Um, and you know, LinkedIn is so important these days. And as a recruiter, it was kind of the number one tool that I would use every day. I would use it to search for candidates, um and i you know if when i had applications come through i would check out the candidates profile on linkedin um it's really key that as an active job seeker even as a passive job seeker that your linkedin profile is um really representing you in the best way possible um but also that you're kind of optimizing it so that you're showing up in the relevant searches um so that's that's really key so that's one of the other other services that i provide um and um you know i think sometimes people don't don't really appreciate the relevance of linkedin um but it again it can really help you stand out um from um from the competition so it's really key oh yeah I mean, the first thing we always used to do in hiring when the applicants come in is you you do a search through linkedin facebook anything that's going to say well who's this person really and does it match the CV mm-hmm. that I've just received because, and you know, there's many things you can do. LinkedIn, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Is it, it, I, my, my LinkedIn wasn't great for a, quite a long period of time. And you do learn there's quite a few things to, to change the simple thing like a photo, right? It, don't have your Facebook mm-hmm. picture on your LinkedIn. So yeah, if your profile picture is, um, is you drunk at a wedding, you know, that's, 
probably not appropriate for this and it really needs to be representing you as a professional in your field mm-hmm. um but you know you can be you can be creative with it as well so you can have your kind of your linkedin banner um which you can make a bit more personal so you know if you're looking for a marketing role that could be your opportunity to kind of show off some of your skills there um so it's yeah really dependent on your industry but um yeah it's really important that it's up to date that it that it definitely um correlates with your cv as well but it doesn't need to be a kind of direct copy and paste of your cv um obviously linkedin is social media it's a public platform so you wouldn't necessarily want all of that information um from your cv on your linkedin profile so you you do have to be more careful there and on the subject of other social it's probably worthwhile taking if you're applying for a role taking a review of your other social channels and maybe censoring or tidying up some stuff to make sure that there's nothing uh, available that might not reflect you in the in the best light absolutely yes yeah so when i when i um have managed graduate schemes in the past um mm-hmm. you know we have had to have some difficult conversations with people um because of things we found on on social media platforms so um yeah it's just yeah definitely have a little bit of an audit <laughs> of all of that and lock it just lock it down as much as possible um you know I, I don't even have my surname on my own social media channels because I don't really want to be found by anyone else so um yeah just um make sure it's it's not anything that's going to be incriminating wise words <laughs> Where can people find you? So people can find me on LinkedIn. It's um, linkedin.com and it's Denise-Pike. Or my website is www.thecvclinic.co.uk. I'm also on Facebook as The CV Clinic and Instagram as thecvclinic.co.uk. Perfect. So if anyone's looking for some great advice on their next career move and how to be successful with their CV and with applications um, suggest get in contact with you uh, via those channels. We'll make sure we've got links to all of your social and to the website, uh, et cetera, on our, on our um, website as well. So that people can find you quite easily if you're watching or listening to this. Great. Cool. Thank you. Really good stuff. It's been great to talk to you.